0: All right, so Pastor Jay started this series, Back to Normal, last week, and we're going through the Acts of the Apostles, and I personally, I, li- I like this, this idea of going back to normal because as a believer, being a believer in Christ, there's nothing normal about that. There's nothing normal about being a follower of Jesus, especially from the standards of what we are, our, our, our nature makes us grow up in. And last week if you weren't here we went through chapters one and two and we see that jesus had rose from the dead and that he is giving his disciples a command in, in acts 1 8 of of being my disciples being my witnesses throughout Ju- throughout jerusalem judea and samaria to the ends of the earth and and we see that the the disciples didn't quite know exactly what to do with that that their leader had just he just rose up into the clouds he went to heaven And they don't know what to do and they're lost. And we see that God makes a way for them through the Holy Spirit of giving them confidence, giving them boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit to go preach to people. And we see that on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. And so as we get into this morning, we're going to be in chapters 3 and 4 of Acts. And you can follow along on the Bible app or you can follow along if you have a physical Bible. But We're going to be in chapters 3 and 4 of Acts Today, And I want to start off with this statement because these few chapters and really most of Acts shows how abnormal of a life a Christian lives according to the world. And so I want to start off with this statement. It's the first point today is that boldness starts with weakness. Boldness begins with weakness. And it might seem like an odd statement to start with. It might not make sense right now, but I hope by the end of the service it does make sense. And it, it makes me think of a story of when I was younger, and, and I'm just going to make this statement, and, and don't get offended to this group of people that I'm going to call out, but freshman boys are dumb. <laughs> Most of you guys probably know I can say that because I was a dumb freshman boy. I don't know what it is with freshman boys, but they like to eat food off of the ground when someone tells me. They they're weird. And so, as a freshman boy, I did some stupid things as well, and... Um, When I was a freshman, I was running cross-country in the fall, and I had my gym class, my PE class in my freshman year, the first semester in the fall. And one of the days that we had class, we were doing the presidential fitness test, and and this day we were doing sit-ups. And so as we are getting ready for this, the girls went first, and they did all theirs, and they did it real quick. They did it like five minutes or whatever. Well, I don't even know how I got on the conversation with this other guy but um we ended up started talking about things and he was a football player and he for some reason brought up that i couldn't do more sit-ups than he he could and we were both freshmen and and of course as a dumb freshman i took him up on that challenge and so we're going at it and we had about like 40 minutes to do this and i now that i look back it's really i I was sort of proud of it back then but i'm not proud of it anymore because it was really stupid but We're we're going, and we're going, and we're going, and he ends up stopping, and I just keep going, and I actually keep going until the bell rings, and I ended up doing 754 sit-ups in a row in 40 minutes, and if you don't believe me, you can ask my parents because they had to pay the medical bill of me getting a hernia and having to get surgery for it, and so yeah, there's even there's even a poster at school that actually has my name. It, it was technically a school record, I guess, but it was really, really stupid because I ended up having to miss a little bit of cross country and then a little bit of baseball because I had to wait so long to get surgery. And so, like I have, I like to tell people I have like a little smiley face on my belly button now because um, that's where I had to get surgery. But the reason that I ended up that now that I look back at it, the reason that I did that was because I was told that I was weak. I didn't want to be told that I was weak, so I was going to prove to whoever that I was strong enough to do this. And so today we're going to be talking a lot about weakness and how that is actually the life that we should live is in weakness. And so we get into chapter 3 today of Acts. And to to set the scene here for a minute, the disciples John and um, Peter They are walking to the temple. It is in the afternoon and they're walking to the temple and they come up across this lame man who has been sitting in front of the temple for 40 years. He's been not able to walk or move for 40 years and he sits there and he begs. And so Peter and John walk up to him. They're going to the temple and they see him. And and Peter he stops, And then this is where we start off with the story. And this is what Peter ends up saying to the lame man. He says "It's in Acts chapter three, verses four, three. He says, Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened he jumped up stood on his feet and began to walk then walking leaping, and praising god he went into the temple with them and so this is an important part of starting the story because this miracle and this thing that peter and john did in the name of jesus gave them an opportunity to share the gospel again they were able to preach again and we're going to look here at Peter's second sermon, which is really similar to his first sermon at Pentecost when 3,000 people came to know Christ. And so he sets up this opportunity for Peter. And so Peter ends up saying this in a few verses later in 12 and 13. Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this and why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. And so we see Peter here. He, he's, he's talking to all these people in the temple, all, the, all these people in the temple, and he's like, don't, don't look at me like I did this, because I didn't do this. The Holy Spirit did this. Jesus did this through me. And so I want to tell you about that. And I want to tell you about who this Jesus person is. And then we get, we get farther into the story. And Peter and John, they're preaching and they're preaching and they're preaching. And so we get into chapter 4. And they get arrested. And so this is where the story starts to get a little crazy. So it says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people... They were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there was resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed now totaled in about 5,000. And so we see because of this second sermon and because of healing this lame man and him then preaching the gospel, another 2,000 were added on to the 3,000 people that were saved in just one day. But there's a few things I want us to look at here. There's two, two different things. One, in this scenario, it would be like me getting arrested and all of you being like, hey, yeah, I want some of that. Give me some of that. Like, They were literally getting cuffed as they were preaching the gospel, and 2,000 people were still so influenced and so moved by the gospel that they still wanted to follow Jesus. And I think that's so cool, that no matter what was going on, that the power of the gospel was able to change people's hearts. And then the second thing is what I want us to really, really focus on is that there are two responses here that we see in the story to the gospel, there is those who rejoice in the gift and then there's those who reject the gift. We see the Sadducees and we see the leaders of, of the church they were, or, or the synagogue, they were, they were disgusted and they were offended that they were preaching in the name of Jesus. But then you've got 2,000 people and an, a lame man that are rejoicing and they're super excited about how the gospel had just changed their lives and changed their hearts and now they have hope and joy in something. But we deal with rejection of the gospel today as well. Whether it's people we know or whether it's ourselves. And why do people reject the gospel? Why do people reject such a a beautiful love story? Well, it's because the gospel in a nutshell tells you you're weak. That you are not strong enough to fix the problem of sin in your life. And we don't like that as people. In our nature, we do not like to be told that we are not good enough or that we cannot fix a problem because we're control freaks. We don't like to be told we're weak. And we see that in, in our lives and in the way that we, we live our lives. And quite honestly, if we look at it, we are crummy gods. That's the whole point, is that we're trying to be God to ourselves, and we, we suck at it. <laughs> We really do. We can look at the problems in our lives, whether it's marriage problems or it's financial problems or it it may be depression or it may be um, our our addictions or pride or selfishness. We can keep going on and on and on. We cannot fix those problems on our own because then we just seem to add more and more problems, that we just cope with things in certain ways because we're always trying to reach what is happiness and we're trying to move down the field when we, we really can't because we need Jesus. It, when, we, when we live that life and we expect ourselves to be strong enough, we're kind of looking at God and imagining, imagining this scenario of like, your life is in shambles and it is awful going right now, whatever that may be. And the way that we act sometimes, we're expecting God just to be like, oh, you're doing a great job, good job. But that really wouldn't be right because God knows we're not doing a good job. That's why he sent his son Jesus for us. but we get offended because we are called weak in a nutshell. And so we see, we're going to see here in the story, the next point is our strength, our, our faith in Christ is what gives us strength. And we're going to see that here as Peter and John, they, they're arrested, they're in jail, they're just sitting in jail right now, and we'll see that our weaknesses are made strong through his strength, not our own. And so Peter and John, they're in, they're in jail, and um, they, they spent the night there. They were there overnight, and the Sadducees and the religious leaders, they're talking and they're discussing on what, what is going on and, and what happened and what they're going to do with Peter and John. And as they're talking and as they're having a conversation, they realize that they did a good thing, but they were actually amazed by it. And so we look in Acts chapter 4, verses 13. And the members of the religious leaders said this The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Peter and John were just normal, ordinary guys, they had no special training, they didn't have a PhD in theology. They didn't go to study with the rabbis or anything like that, but they knew Jesus. They had a relationship with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They trusted what Jesus had taught, and they lived out the gospel because they let Jesus change their lives. They were not extraordinary people, but they were ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And so the religious leaders they they continue to talk. They hadn't talked to Peter or John yet and they're they're hanging out and they're talking overnight and they come to the conclusion of okay these guys did a really good thing. They did a great thing and we're we're cool with that. They healed a guy. We can't really dismiss 2000 people just saw that there was a guy who has been lame for 40 years. He just started walking randomly and Peter and John were the last ones to talk to him. So we can't really say that they didn't do a good thing or a miraculous thing because then we'd have a riot on our hands because people actually saw this guy walking. And plus it was a good thing, but um, we're going to tell them that they can, they can do good things like that, but they can't do it in the name of Jesus that we want nothing to do with Jesus. We don't want Jesus' name spoken or anything. And so they go to Peter and John and they say, hey, here's the deal. Go do good things, but don't say anything about Jesus because we, we don't like Jesus. What you're saying is not true. And so I think this next reply that Peter and John have, and it's just one sentence, is the most, probably most profound Statement in this chapter. And they say this in chapter 4, verses 19. They say, But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Peter and John look at the, the Sadducees. They look at the religious leaders and say, You really want us to, believe, or to obey you rather than the creator of this universe? Well, we're not going to have any part of that. No matter what you do to us, No matter how many times we're put in jail, no matter how many times we're beaten or ridiculed, we're going to preach in the name of Jesus because that's who we obey. That's who we are obedient to. I think in the world that we live in, we got to ask ourselves, are we willing to answer anything like this? Because this world is offended by who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Can we look at people, can we look at the world and say, no, I'm not obeying you, but I'm obeying Christ? Because people will get offended, they will get upset, just like the Sadducees. And I'm not talking about just going out and being mean or being a jerk, but when it comes to living your life for Christ, people are going to be offended by that. Jesus told us that that was going to happen. People hated me, and so they're going to hate you. But how often do we compromise, even just a little bit, because we want to people please or we don't want to offend someone? What cost is that at? See, what Peter and John are saying here is that as creation, I'm going to follow the creator, not more creation. And I think that's, that's hard for us to do because the gospel, it offends others, but it also can sometimes offend us because we don't quite understand or we, we might not like the things that God does in our, own, in our own minds. But God is good and He is perfect and He is righteous. He's the creator of this world and we need to be obedient to Him. I think sometimes we're just willing to compromise our beliefs in order not to hurt feelings or not to fully share the gospel with people. And so my next point is small areas of compromise lead to large areas of disaster. When we're not willing to be fully 100% obedient to the gospel and to Christ and we make little small compromises, it adds up and it turns into some one big huge problem. And Peter and John, they knew that. And we can see that that's evident in this world today is that when we're willing to compromise, there are effects that happen. There are consequences to doing that. You know, I heard Matt Chandler say this when he was preaching, and I think this is so true, is that when it comes to God's truth and when it comes to the gospel and when it comes to being obedient to it and comes to standing up for it and standing up for truth, a lot of the times we're more obedient or more afraid of kittens rather than the lion. We're more afraid of the kittens rather than God, who is the lion, in offending him. When quite honestly, it should be the other way around. We're called to love people and we're called to take care of people. And I know Peter and John, they loved those guys and they would have shared the gospel with them, but obviously they rejected it and they were, they were offended by it. And when we compromise our beliefs, we compromise the gospel even just a little bit, like I said, there are consequences, and I wanna share some of those consequences that we're seeing right now because we're not willing to be fully obedient because it all starts in here. And we all have room to work on, and it's hard because we don't want to hurt people's feelings or we don't want to be abnormal because we wanna just fit in. But Generation Z, me being the youth pastor, I can see how Generation Z acts and, and I've studied what Generation Z is into and, and some of the statistics of Generation Z. And I'm not picking on them, but right now, they're the most influenced generation right now. Everything is pointed towards them and millennials and they have so many different, they're, they're the first generation to grow up with like just straight up technology or a, a screen in front of their face they're always taking in information and they're always being influenced in some way, shape, or form. So listen to some of these statistics of Generation Z right now. 49% of Gen Z believes happiness comes from money. Only 34% thinks lying is wrong. So the other 66% 66 think lying is okay to do quite often. And then 58% believe that all religions are truth and end in eternal life. That's scary. But that's what happens when we're willing to compromise the gospel. And so as the church, as believers, when I look at myself, I wanna wanna be able to say what Peter and John said. I wanna be able to live a life that is just saying, no, I'm fully 100% obedient to Christ and not obedient to this world and not obedient to people, but I'm obedient to the creator. So ask yourselves, could you answer that question honestly if you were in that position? The way that we live and the way that we are obedient to Christ has an effect on the people around us, and it starts in here, and it starts with the church. We want want change in this world, but we're willing to compromise the gospel. We're never going to see change. We're never going to see the hate dissipate. We're never going to see there be unity if we're not willing to fully be obedient to the gospel and be obedient to God's truth. And you know, sometimes we don't understand why God does things a certain way he does or why he, he makes certain things truths or why he, he even sent his son Jesus. Why did he even make us with this problem that we have? Well, it's because he's God and he thinks differently than we do. It says in Isaiah Chapter 55, verses 8 through 9, God says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could have imagined. For you, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is light years ahead of us, in thinking and understanding and what his plan is for the world because we try to make these plans for ourselves and we try to fix these problems on our own and we try to move the ball down the field and, and I don 't know if anyone's ever played football but you can't do pretty you can't do very well when you just have one person on your team you basically would just have to punt the ball the entire time but that's how we live life is we're trying to chase happiness we're trying to chase that that money or that job or that perfect spouse we're trying to focus on things that Jesus and God don't really have a focus on, but they're focusing on how they can use you, how God can use you, how the Holy Spirit can be used in you. And when we we focus on those things and we don't focus on Jesus, we miss out on the opportunities to preach the gospel or to live out the gospel. And so I want to focus back in on the very first statement and kind of stretch it out here a little bit is that boldness starts with us admitting we are not strong enough. We see that Peter and John, they were just ordinary guys. They didn't do anything special except that they knew Jesus. They were willing to start and admit, I am not strong enough to do this on my own. I'm not strong enough to heal that lame man. I'm not strong enough to do this life on my own. I'm not strong enough to fix this sin problem in my life. So, my boldness comes from Christ, not myself, and it comes from my weakness and me admitting that I am not strong enough to do this life on my own. And because they were willing to live that out and they were willing to focus on that, the church was changed and it just exploded into people hearing the gospel and people loving on each other. And we get here at the very end of Acts chapter 4 in verse 34 and 35. And this is what the church looked like after Peter and John had gotten, in, gotten out of jail. And 5,000 people were now a part of the church. And this is the other church. And this is what, the, what had happened. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that that, what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. We see the early church relying on the Holy Spirit. Focusing in on their weakness and letting God's strength just flow out of them. The place shook as they preached the gospel, as they were given the Holy Spirit. And lives were changed and people were taken care of. But it all happened because they were all under one mind, one unity. They were unified together on the simple fact of being 100% obedient to the gospel and being weak. And they had joy, and they were helping each other out, and they were blessed. And so my connection point for this morning is life is better in weakness. We are strongest when we realize that we need Jesus, and Jesus alone. Now, I want to ask you and think about this for yourself. As we look at the story, there were 5,000 people plus a lame man, 5,001, who were willing to be weak and they were willing to rejoice in the gospel because no matter what the normal was back then or what the normal is right now, they were willing to be weak and they were willing to give their life for Christ, and they were willing to accept that I cannot fix this problem on my own, that I cannot do life on my own, that it's not getting any better and it's not getting fixed by me. But it was fixed by Jesus. Or ask yourselves, are you the ones that are offended? Maybe you don't like to be told that you're weak. Maybe you don't like to be told that you need someone to help you out make that pardon for you fill fulfill that payment that you can't pay see we owe God a debt that we can't pay on our own and that's why Jesus came and he paid that for us because we can't we can't do it on our own and so ask yourselves that this morning are you ready to rejoice in the gospel Are you ready to be the church? Are you ready to shake the ground with the strength of God through the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to change lives because of his strength? Because we are ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And there's nothing that he can't do. He makes a way for us. We just have to be willing to be obedient to him. So everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. so as we as we talk this morning and we we see that life is better in weakness. I want to speak to those of you maybe maybe you've been trying to be strong and you just can't do it anymore. Let me tell you that's okay. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to rely on a God who loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. I don't know what's going on in your life, I don't know what problems that you have in your life that you've been trying to fix or that you can't fix on your own, but let me tell you that Jesus came and died for you so you may have hope and joy and you can focus on him. It's okay to be abnormal. But Jesus just wants you to respond to him this morning. He wants you to respond to him and give you, he wants you to give him your life. Put your faith and trust in him. See, God created us to be with him, to have a relationship with him. That that was the plan from the beginning, but we screwed it up and we sinned. And that separates us from God because he is holy and he is perfect and we are not. And so Jesus, he sent his son Jesus to come and save us because no matter how many good deeds or how good we think we are, good is never good enough to pay that debt that we owe God because the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus came down, he lived a perfect life and he was a perfect sacrifice so you may have eternal life with him, that you may live in harmony and in peace and in joy for eternity with him. He could have turned his back on us. He could have gave up because we, we made the problem. But he makes a way for us to be with him. And so if that's you this morning and you wanna know more about how I can know Jesus, how can I know 100% without a doubt that I'm going to heaven, I would love to talk to you this morning. Meet with you up front. Pray with you. Talk about what that looks like. It would be the greatest decision that you ever make in your entire life. Because it lasts forever and it will change you forever and everyone else as the church this morning let's shake the ground let's be fully obedient to the gospel let's let the holy spirit work through us and go share the love of christ with others no matter how many times we get rejected Let's rejoice in knowing that we know Jesus and that his love is never ending. Let's go be his witnesses. Let's be the church. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, for giving us your son Jesus who died for us, who who pardoned us from this payment that that we we owe you. Lord, we don't owe you Anymore because of jesus and so we just thank you for that and lord And i pray as we go out as the church this week as we go out and we leave this building today lord that we we live our lives fully obedient to you Lord, that we don't compromise the gospel lord that we rejoice in it and we're willing to be weak because life is better in weakness Life is better when we rely on your strength and not our own. And so, Lord, I pray that we will let that soak into our hearts, Lord, and that we will live that out as we leave here this morning. Lord, if someone doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they come they come talk to us, come talk to me, Lord, and that they make that decision this morning. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray.